I'm Las Vegas criminal defense attorney Michael Becker. Ever since the 1 October massacre in 2017, when hundreds of innocent people were killed or injured by a lone gunman at the Mandalay Bay, Nevada lawmakers have been reevaluating how the state regulates weapons. Here are five things you need to know about the current state of Nevada firearm laws. One, a background check is now required for nearly all gun sales, including private and gun show sales, unless the purchaser has a CCW permit. Two, you do not need a license or registration to carry firearms openly in Nevada. Three, under NRS 202.350, you do need a CCW permit to carry concealed handguns in Nevada. Carrying concealed without a current invalid permit is a felony. Four, there are certain locations where guns are nearly always prohibited, such as schools, child care facilities, and airport secure areas. And five, the only way to get firearms rights restored once they've been lost due to a past felony conviction is through a governor's pardon. If you or a loved one is facing criminal charges in Nevada, call my legal team at 702-DEFENSE for a free consultation. Person in the store, money, with president's faces on it. When gas prices went up, we squalled and threw a fit. They go from $2 or $3 to $5. We had a fit. People were acting like the entire world was in meltdown because when they paid for their gas with president's faces, they knew that gas prices had gone up. Here's what's interesting. When gas prices go up now, you and me, we pay at the pump, don't we? I pay with a debit card. Some of you pay with a credit card. And when gas prices go up, you don't think much about it. Because it's kind of like Monopoly money. It's a digit. You're not even pulling the receipt off the thing. I know, because when I pull up there, your stupid receipt's still hanging there. So you have no idea what your last tank of gas cost. You can't tell me. And the reason you can't tell me is it created no pain for you inside your brain. Pain is associated with memory. If you create a pain around something, you will have a memory of it. When you know when you buy something that you saved up for and you pay cash for it, you can tell me to the penny what you paid for it because it registers in your psyche. The research shows the more money you make, the more credit card debt you have. Because the sloppier you get and the more you buy into these stupid rationalizations where you are not experiencing any emotional friction. MIT did a study that showed that the pain centers of the brain are activated when you release cash that is yours to purchase something.
When you spend cash, it activates the pain centers of the brain. When you buy the exact same item with the exact same amount of money with a credit card, nothing happens in the brain. No pain center activation. No brain, but no pain center activation. Which means you're simply not registering the spending. There's no emotional friction. There's no intellectual friction. Nothing is acknowledged. And you spend more. You really do. And to argue with that is ludicrous because that means you have pride about your level of discipline, which is absolute horse crap. I teach discipline for a living. It's what I do. I have taught this for 30 years, and I can fall in this trap of spending more because I'm using plastic. I mean, we're on a Disney cruise, and your room key buys everything. Took the grandbabies on the Disney cruise, right? And before I know it, we're just buying Mickey this and Mickey that. And I get the bill at the end of the cruise, and I'm going, well, we got Mickey Moused. Unbelievable, man. There was no acknowledgement that this money was leaving by Papa Dave or by the precious overspending grandbabies. I'll do it again. It's wonderful. I can afford it. But when you're broke and you rationalize, you have no net worth, your net worth is $4, and you have no income or limited income, you have a lot of debt, you're misbehaving with money, and then you come off as prideful and arrogant about how you can handle your credit cards because you pay them off every month when 78% don't, and even those that do overspend, especially those of you with airline miles. It's the biggest scam in freaking history. It's the credit, it's the cigarette of the financial world. It used to be cool, and people are going to acknowledge that it kills you. They're going to quit doing it. If we have a proven plan to teach you how to get out of debt, go to DaveRamsey.com slash FPU. Learn about Financial Peace University. Start your journey to being debt-free. No more credit cards. No more debt. It's time to change. What you're doing isn't working. Hector has access to that account. You're going to get yourself in a mess. We run into it all the time, helping people work through these things. So doing all of that, then you work your debt snowball and work your way back through the inactive accounts, and you clear them off by in writing, settle it, in writing, settle it, in writing, settle it, in writing, settle it, and then you're clear. And most of the time, 25 cents on the dollar, 10 cents on the dollar of what they say you owe is going to sound more like about what you originally owed or a little bit less, depending on who you're dealing with, what kind of debt it was, and all that kind of thing. But they'll settle with you if you offer them cash now. I will send you money this instant on this debit card. 
this prepaid debit card off to the side or this checking account off to the side, or I'll send you a, a cashier's check overnight and pay the FedEx charges, but do not let them in your account. You'll get messed up and messed over. Hey guys, thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this video, click the subscribe button to get the latest content and check out these other great clips from the show. A lot of people ask, how can I lift a restraining order here in the state of Nevada? The answer is, initially, if someone seeks to restrain you, they will obtain typically a temporary order and the court will set a hearing. At that hearing, both sides will present evidence and the court will decide whether or not to extend the restraining order. If, however, you wish to attack a temporary restraining order, you can file a motion to either dissolve or modify that order and ask the court to schedule that for an earlier hearing. Additionally, if you go to a hearing for an extended order and you lose, you can still seek to dissolve or modify at a later date or you can file an appeal to the higher court to determine whether or not that order was lawfully issued. A court, whether it's a district court hearing an appeal or the Nevada Supreme Court reviewing a decision of the district court to issue a restraining order, typically no additional evidence will be offered and the appellate court will simply assess the record of the lower court to determine whether or not the order was lawfully issued. Of course, it's always a good idea when seeking to dissolve or modify a restraining order to have counsel to assist you in the process because you dramatically increase your likelihood of success when you're represented by counsel. Gucci Mane, the father of trap music. Over the course of Gucci's legendary career, he dropped a total of 72 mixtapes and 12 studio albums. That impressive catalog has amassed him millions of fans worldwide, as well as millions of dollars. Besides his music, Gucci Mane was also really well known for his wild antics he did while being in the limelight. Whether that was getting an ice cream cone tattooed on his face, or attacking people with pool sticks, people just always knew not to mess with Gucci Mane. Gucci was arrested approximately nine times during his hip-hop career and spent over four years incarcerated. Want to know more about Gucci Mane's nine arrests that happened during his career? Well, we have you covered. Here is an exclusive inside look at the criminal history of Gucci Mane. Gucci Mane's first documented arrest as a rapper happened on May 19, 2005. While beefing with rival rapper Young Jeezy, five men attempted to rob Gucci Mane after Jeezy put a $10,000 bounty out on Gucci's ice cream cone chain in his diss song of Gucci Mane called Stay Strapped. Reports claim that the five men ambushed Gucci, but he managed to acquire a gun while scrambling to defend himself. 
Gucci then began to fire at the robbers and ended up killing one of them in the process. The man was Henry Clark III, who is mostly known as Pookie Loke. The body of Pookie Loke was eventually found three days later at a local middle school. After the recovery of Pookie Loke's body, DeKalb County put a warrant out for Gucci Mane's arrest. The charge against Gucci Mane was first-degree murder. On May 29, 2005, Gucci Mane turned himself into DeKalb County Jail where he claimed that he shot Pookie Loke in self-defense. Gucci later posted a $100,000 bail on May 24, 2005 and dropped his debut album Trap House the same day. In January of 2006, the murder charges against Gucci Mane were dropped due to insufficient evidence. Gucci Mane's second arrest occurred in July of 2005. Authorities say that they arrested Gucci for an assault that happened earlier that month. Gucci Mane allegedly got in a heated altercation with a club promoter at the offices of Big Cat Records, which was the label that Gucci was signed to back in 2005. As the argument escalated, Gucci Mane struck the club promoter with a pool stick and continued to do so after he fell to the ground. After the arrest, Gucci Mane's lawyer claimed the accusations against Gucci were false and he wasn't even involved in the reported fight. During sentencing in October of 2005, Gucci Mane pled no contest to the charges, but was found guilty. The two charges Gucci was found guilty for was aggravated assault and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. The judge sentenced Gucci Mane to six months in prison and six and a half years of probation following Gucci's release. Gucci also agreed to pay for the club promoter's medical bills, which totaled about $3,000. Here's a little fun fact. During Gucci Mane's stay in prison for these charges, Gucci found out that his murder charge from May was dismissed. A huge weight was lifted off of his shoulders when he found out about this news, and it probably made the rest of those six months fly by. Gucci's third arrest happened in September of 2008. As one of Gucci Mane's punishments for his 2005 assault case, Gucci was ordered to do 600 hours of community service. Gucci, being the hard-working man he is, must not have found any time to do this, because he was eventually arrested for only completing 25 out of the 600 hours of community service he was ordered to do. The failure to fulfill those orders made Gucci Mane in violation of his probation and was ultimately sentenced to six months in Fulton County Jail. Gucci was released in March of 2009. Gucci's fourth arrest happened in November of 2009 when he was due back in court. At the court hearing, Gucci Mane was found to be in violation of his probation once again and ended up leaving the courtroom in handcuffs. Gucci Mane stayed in jail until May of 2010. During his time in jail, Gucci dropped his first major label album titled The State vs. Radrick Davis on December 8th with the help of Warner Brothers Records. A year after his last arrest, Gucci Mane was arrested for a fifth time after an off-duty police officer noticed a white Hummer driving recklessly down Northside Drive. The off-duty officer reported what he saw to other police in the area and began to search for the vehicle. 
Local police ended up tracking down the white Hummer at a body shop a few miles away. Inside, they came across Gucci Mane and another individual arguing. When the officers attempted to intervene, Gucci Mane ignored the officers and punched the man he was arguing with. Officers immediately pepper sprayed Gucci and arrested him on the spot. Gucci Mane was booked under several charges including damage to government property, obstruction, driving without a license, reckless driving, running a red light or stop sign, failure to maintain a lane, and driving on the wrong side of the road. The charges were later dropped, but Gucci Mane still received another probation violation for his actions. In court, Gucci pled mental incompetence to the charges, claiming that he was in no state to fight prosecutors. Gucci was then released while the court compact, sedan, and they just find out when you get there. Right, right. Turo, you get to choose the car, no hidden fees, everything is clear as day. So that was the benefit. So with me, I was driving my, this is how it happened. Justin, new ACO. I got a rental car. I'm like, man, I'm, I don't care what car it is. I got a little small Ford, Ford like the small little, I think it was a Forte, I don't know what it's called. A small car. Right. I had a meeting with Justin Owens, new ACO. I went to Target to go drop, we parked in Target. I went to the car, he hopped in his car, what car, it was S550. I hopped in my, my um, little small Ford. He clowned the heck out of me. Because <laughs> y'all about the same height, too. And he knows how much money I make. Right. <laughs> he knows what I can afford. He was clowning me like, bro, why are you in that car? Right. Like, why does it matter? Right. We just need to get to point A, point B. Nobody cares. Everybody knows I got it. Why does it matter? But he said, he grew me so much. On my, my whole ride home, I was like, man, I'm about to get in the car. I'm tired of this, driving this. I'm tired of having to explain myself. <laughs> that's how I end up getting the testimony. So that's wow. the question. Why would somebody not just um, rent a car from Hertz or Budget or a traditional rental car mm -hmm. company versus Turo? Because you have more options for nicer cars. Gotcha, gotcha. What about credit checks and credit cards? I know you sometimes... I, there was a point in my life where you're so you say, okay, I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna rent a car, but you never know what they're gonna ask for. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it, you know that yeah. my heart always. You don't know if you're gonna get it. Like, gonna get it. They need like, credit card. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. with Turo, you don't need to have a credit card. That's another benefit of it. Or the platforms like Turo, even a personal booking. All depends on how somebody wants to run their business, but usually with a traditional, you have to be a certain age, mm -hmm. you have to put it on a certain deposit, deposit certain credit, uh, what else do they need? Sometimes you have to have a flight ticket to prove that you're not a true, local. True, like there's true, true. Of course they do it to protect their business, I understand, mm -hmm. but some people don't have those options, so they need other options to be able to get a car, to run out. Gotcha. So, so they really, really Toro, they'll let anybody who has a driver's of license. They, of course, they go do background checks. Of course, they, there's a, a, a vetting process. Of course, all that. And of course, the car's insured, but it's not as difficult as gotcha. the traditional rental car. Gotcha, gotcha. And you can just find what you like, like right. something nice. Gotcha. That's the key piece. Gotcha. It's options. I got better so, options. So, income potential. Walk me through income potential. Income potential. Depending on what car you have, it always falls around anywhere. Cash flowing. This is net profit. 
cash flowing anywhere from $300 a month to even upwards of what I was making, $3,000 per car. Mm. My Corvette was averaging $1,600. My, my Tesla was averaging $2,600. Um, profit. Profit, 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 profit. This is literally profit. Mm. Um, my my C300, it didn't perform as well. It was probably in the the $800 range. Mm. So, it all, but, but me, I have my receipts. So, mm. I show cash people. Flows, cash flow, though. Cash flow, cash flow. So, you then compare your cash flow to the amount of time that it takes to manage the operation. So, with me, I did it all by myself. I then hired one of my brothers at church to help me out with the check-ins and checkouts. But it wasn't labor intensive. I was still able to do my real business, my marketing mm. agency. I was still able to do the things that I really enjoy, going to church, hosting Bible studies, while managing these three cars. Yeah. And I realized that the cars that I had leveraged the marketing deals that I was actually closing. Mm. And I told people, yeah, I own a car rental company, small, small fleet, three cars. I got a Corvette, Maserati. C300, they were so amazed at the fact that I was in this business that they weren't even thinking about the marketing no more. They was just signing the deal. Oh, right, tell me right. about the Corvette. Right? <laughs> <laughs> tell me about that story that you told me. Right. How do I get in this? It was so it was amazing leverage. Where do we where do you keep all these cars? All right, all right. This is crazy. That's a good question. So I initially remember while I was keeping my cars? Target. Yes. Once I went from three and I turned up. I was parking the cars. I was trying to park the cars at Target. The Target um, general manager called me and said, um, this is Matthew. Are you the one who has all these cars on my lot? He said, yeah, you, you got to move them. You're od right now. I, I, I did the most. I, I forced <laughs> You're od right now. I was getting away with the three cars. But as soon as I tried to bring them all there, then now I was like, all right, I'll move them. Can, can you give me like a week to figure it out? He mm-hmm. said, he was cool. He was super cool. Cool, it'll give you a week. I think it was during it was it was it was during a big weekend where they need they definitely need the space. Right. And now my cars are a big attraction. Everybody was taking pictures. You can see on the cameras, they show me. Everybody was going around the cars, taking pictures near the cars, oh, all that wow. crazy stuff. So I had to figure it out. I had to move all my cars to my apartment. One of my other apartments in Norcross. It was, I got a picture of it. All my cars lined up in all the parking spaces. I got away from it for two weeks until they called me and said, you got to move these cars. <laughs> right. By God's grace, by God's grace, as I was posting, every time I got a new car, I posted on my Instagram, like, look, I got another car. Commonly prosecuted crime by the U.S. government, mail fraud, Right. You'll often see this in white-collar crimes, very common. What is it? How do they prosecute people, right? Those are the questions that we're going to answer right now. Mail fraud is broadly defined. It's defined by U.S. Code 18 U.S.C. 1341. It means to obtain money or property under false pretenses or to sell or distribute, exchange, supply, or use counterfeits. Now, does mail fraud only apply to mail being mailed out of state or does it involve the use of any private or government mail carrier, right? The answer is any use of mails falls with under the gambit of the mail fraud statute. 
like the U.S. Postal Service, a private interstate carrier, to commit any crime of dishonesty, theft, all of that will result in a mail fraud charge. The charge of possession of narcotics here in Nevada usually involves knowingly possessing a small quantity of a narcotic substance for personal use. Most commonly here in Las Vegas, we see cases involving possession of typical illicit drugs like cocaine, methamphetamine, and heroin, but we also see party drugs in the club scene like ketamine, GHB, and ecstasy. Many people are surprised to find that they can face a drug possession charge in Nevada for prescription drugs if they do not have a valid prescription for that drug. These prescription drugs include Oxycontin, Vicodin, Xanax, Valium, and Codeine. When we think of drug possession, we think of actually having the drugs physically on your person. And that's certainly one example of drug possession. But the notion of possession here in Nevada is actually much broader than that. So, for example, we have what's called constructive possession. That means that you don't have to be physically uh, possessing the drug as long as you have a right to control it. And to give you an example, suppose I live here in Las Vegas, but I travel up to Reno for the weekend. I get arrested up in Reno, and the police get a warrant and search my apartment in Vegas, and they find my stash of methamphetamine. Well, even though I wasn't physically in possession, even though I was hundreds of miles away from the drug at the time that it was discovered, I can still be charged with possession of a controlled substance because it was my drug, it was in my space, I had control over it or the right to control it. People are sometimes under the misconception that a drug can only be possessed by one person. It's not uncommon where multiple people are charged with possessing the same drugs. If someone will ask, can't I just take this? Or defendant one says he'll take the drugs. It's not always so easy. So we might see a situation where two people would go into a bathroom stall. They're both consuming the drugs. Both get arrested, but at the time of arrest, only one person had the drugs in their possession. There is a legal concept called joint possession, which involves two or more people possessing the same drugs. In this situation, more than one person can actually be charged with possession, even though only one person actually had the drugs in their physical control. In Las Vegas, if you were charged for the first time with an act of solicitation, we can almost always get those charges dismissed. Now, you may have to intend some type of class uh, for sexual awareness, but if you complete the class, the charges against you would be dismissed. I'm attorney Michael Becker with Las Vegas Criminal Defense. If you've been charged with a criminal offense in the state of Nevada, let's sit down, hear your side of the story, and see what we can do 
to get your charges reduced or dismissed. We've been seeing a lot of cases in Las Vegas uh, having to do with pool parties and people come in often from out of town. They come to Las Vegas to attend, you know, a massive pool party at one of the casinos over the weekend. And of course, there's uh, often drug use that goes on uh, at those engagements. The casinos have actually been making a substantial effort to cut down or put a stop to drug use at, the, at those uh, parties. So often what we're seeing is that it's private hotel security that are searching people and not law enforcement. And so when private security search, if they violate your rights, it's not, it's, it, it, it's not, there's no remedy because only um, your Fourth Amendment rights only protect you against law enforcement searches, not against private security searches. So the suggestion would be, if obviously, if you're going into a private, uh, a private party and you're asked for consent to search, you can still say no and you can simply leave, discard the contraband and, and go in without it. Um, we've seen a lot of people that have been arrested and charged with very serious uh, drug-related offenses relating to um, their attendance at these pool parties. The good news is that for the most part we've been able to negotiate very, very reasonable dispositions. It may be a situation where someone's going to a pool party to meet up with a large group of friends and they're carrying for example, the ecstasy tablets that everybody at the pool party plans to take. We've had uh, clients that, that were initially facing very serious charges in relation to possessing uh, sometimes even a substantial quantity of narcotics, and we've been able to negotiate resolutions that even in some cases involve pleas to misdemeanors with no jail time. Um, so. The good news is that uh, if you've been charged with a trafficking offense or possession for sale of narcotics at a pool party, there is reasonable hope that you can obtain a good result and not have uh, that arrest and prosecution be something that causes you substantial harm in the future. I'm attorney Michael Becker with the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you or a loved one has been charged with a criminal offense in Las Vegas or throughout the state of Nevada, trust in me and my legal team to get your case dismissed or otherwise negotiate a resolution that causes minimal harm to you in your future. NRS section 201.180 regulates and outlaws incest in the state of Nevada. And incest is defined as marrying or engaging in sexual intercourse with someone who is closer than a half-blood cousin or a second cousin. In actuality, these cases are rarely prosecuted unless some allegation of impropriety comes to the surface. So if, there's, if the relationship goes bad and an accusation flies and law enforcement gets wind of it, 
you might actually find yourself being charged with incest in the state of Nevada. And the, the state of Nevada treats incest as a very serious crime with penalties ranging up to life in prison. Often, conspiracy cases can be very difficult for prosecutors to prove because rarely is there any physical evidence in furtherance of the conspiracy. And the state is still required to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that parties to a conspiracy agreed to commit a crime. If you've been charged, call us at 702-DEFENSE and we'll talk about how we can get the charges against you reduced or dismissed.